spotlighting Hawaii's leaders. We want to bring in Governor David Ige. Good morning, Mr. Mayor. Lieutenant Governor, good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Mayor Derek Kawakami. Thank you so much, uh, Senator, for being here. Spotlighting the issues. Where is the virus right now in our community? How much is this overall going to cost the state? How are you responding to the community's concerns? Talk about the level of citations that you guys are writing. Spotlight Hawaii with Yanji Denise and Ryan Kalei Suji on the digital platforms of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. This episode of Spotlight Hawaii is brought to you by Long's Drugs. Hello and good morning. Thanks so much for tuning in here to Spotlight Hawaii on the digital platforms of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. I'm Ryan Kalei-Suji, joined by Yanju Denise. And this morning we're going to be focusing in on a topic that has really made headlines over the last few months, unexpectedly to some, uh, but it concerns the future about Aloha Stadium. That's right. We saw at a relatively late hour, the governor really shift his focus uh, on that and decide that instead of going with a public-private partnership, the so-called PPP, that instead he wanted to use the legislative dollars, he says, solely for building the stadium, changing the authority over who is running that program, going to DBED now instead. Uh, and, you know, a lot of community pushback from that and a lot of questions being raised, especially with his timing. We asked him about this all on Monday. And now we have invited some members of the community who have been very involved in the planning phase of all of this. Chase Shigemasa of the Aliamanu Salt Lake Foster Village and Airport Neighborhood Board, that's Neighborhood Board 18, along with Claire Yamamoto from the IEA Community Association, and she's also a stadium board member. Thank you both for being here. Thank you. Thank you. So Chase, let's start with you. Uh, we saw the governor make this decision public um, in you know, a unique way, let's say, sending a letter. Um, since that time has passed and you've gotten more information about this, where does this stand uh, from the community standpoint at this point? Well, we were brought, uh, brought to our attention in the middle of September, or I said late September, uh, the governor's plan to change. It came out and through a media announcement uh, and uh, shortly after that, the stadium authority had a boarding uh, board meeting, and uh, we att I attended that meeting on behalf of our neighborhood board. Uh, and uh, our neighborhood board met on October 14th and passed a letter uh, to be sent to the governor unanimously to ask the governor where he where he got community input on this decision. And you know, the community has been part of the process for the last five years, uh, talking about the NASA development, the newest Lowell Stadium Entertainment District. Uh, we've been part of the process for such a, such a long time. And to for the community to hear that uh, this sudden change at the ninth hour, uh, with only three more weeks now left in his term, uh, we were very surprised. And so we passed a letter sent to the governor on October 20th, um, asking the governor to uh, provide us input, uh, talk to the community, Let's talk about it. Let's 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 have the discussion before we make such a drastic change. Uh, and and since then, the governor has not yet responded to our neighborhood board, and so we're kept in the dark um, still yet. Uh, Claire, I'm wanting to get your thoughts on, on this change. And the governor saying that the stadium should move forward uh, and the plan should move forward based on what has been allocated uh, from the legislature, and really just focusing on building the stadium first and not relying on that private-public partnership. Uh, what did you, wanted to get your thoughts about uh, when you heard this announcement and, and, and his plan overall to solely rely on the money allocated from the legislature? Um, well, it's, it's a plan. The governor's plan seems to be a plan that is in a process of being developed. Uh, 
um, initially when he made the announcement, he uh, kind of punted and said, I will reveal the plan um, in a couple of weeks. You know, we had heard various, you know, scuttlebutt about maybe possibly the University of Hawaii taking it over, you know, building it at the university, you know, all, all these all these rumors were going around. Um, we at the stadium authority were taken aback because we didn't know that this was also happening until um, Dag shared that email with us that uh, the governor asked them to stop and put a hold on everything and there was a new direction. Um, so we were, you know, I'm involved on two fronts. I, um, I, I'm the president of the IA Community Association and we like Chase has been very involved in the dialogues, the workshops, the community meetings to give our feedback regarding density, transportation, noise, you know, all of these issues that we would like to be addressed as we develop a new stadium there. Uh, and then just because of that involvement, the legislature also appointed uh, a community person, two community people to be involved in, to be on the stadium authority. And I was one of those people that went through the process and was selected. So um, on the stadium authority board side, we did not have any word that this was going to happen. Uh, we were under the impression that the P3 development was going to go forward. There was much jubilation when the legislature actually appropriated the $350 million to build the stadium in Halawa, um, along with you know the P3 plan, uh, the real estate development. So we... Um, we, we were taken aback by that. Claire, let me stay with you for a minute. I, I'm interested to know, you know, what you think, taking the way that this announcement was made aside, what you think of, of the governor's proposal, you know, as it stands, as we understand it at this point, which is, you know, he's saying the $350 million is solely designated to build a facility. Don't think about the surrounding, you know, development. We do that at a later time. If we want to do this as expeditiously as possible, we build the stadium now with the money that's been allocated. Claire, let's start with you. What do you think of that? Okay, my understanding is that even if we go and try and build just the stadium itself, um, it, will, it will delay the project. We have to go through the, the process again. We have to... Um, have input, we have to change the plan, we have to uh, develop a design plan, we have to go to bid, you know, all of these things that, have already in, that are already in place, we'll have to start again. So it would probably delay the project maybe another 18 months from when we projected to start building. So on, that hand, on one hand, that's one point. But more importantly, I think the state uh, and any government entity, all of us need to be more careful about how we use our money. We have to be able to plan for the long haul. We cannot just put a Band-Aid every time we have a problem on something. The whole idea with the P3 development is to have a sustainable, economically, fiscal, fiscal sustainability to the stadium can be run and repaired as needed. Currently, our 50-year-old stadium, every year they had to go to the legislature to ask for money to maintain the stadium. A lot of years they didn't get that money, and because they didn't get that money, the the stadium fell more and more into disrepair. Uh, I think the governor has once said before he would have preferred having the stadium be uh, uh, repaired uh, and maintained so we didn't have to rebuild it. But, you know, along with that comes dollars and the dollars were not appropriated. So we have to have an economic engine and the real estate portion provides that so that we can be self-sufficient. The stadium can be self-sufficient. 
And it has to be, to me, it has to be done with um, the plans, you know, taking into account the people's plans that contributed to building the stadium and the rest of the area. Just want to get your thoughts on this as well, but also add in, you know, the governor saying that uh, when you look at other public work projects and projects of this magnitude uh, across the country and the history of this, there haven't been a whole lot of uh, success stories with P3 relationships and, and integration of that. Uh, you know, wanted to get your thoughts to just the overall reaction uh, of what uh, the governor has, again, has planned forth with this idea of just building the stadium first and, and worrying about and, and dealing with some of the other things later, but focusing on the stadium and, and that overall concept, knowing that there isn't a real strong history, as he says, of this P3 relationship. You know, I think we have to take it back and look at the benefit of what a public-private partnership has to offer. Um, when we continue to look at government to pay for um, things like maintenance and O&M or operations and maintenance of any public works project, we see how it goes. And, and, and it's unfortunate that we want to continue that path. We should have learned our lesson uh, with uh, the Aloha Stadium the way it is now and today and now it's financed and we continue to, as Claire said, you know, today we continue to put bandage until we couldn't put a bandage anymore on the Aloha Stadium. And um, that's the that's the problem. And we have to look at how we can be fiduciary responsible, uh, be fiduciary responsible for the monies uh, of the government, you know, and there's a uh, why why keep taking it out of the government's pocket, taxing our uh, taxing uh, our, 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 our residents to pay for this when we can look at the models where public private partnerships did work and we can learn from them and model our project that way. Now we have to also remember that the $350 million that was allocated by the legislature did not, there was no language that made, uh, made the procurement, uh, that, that, that said how it would have to be procured. Now, this is a governor who thinks that this is a way forward at, at the 11th hour. And we've been involved in conversations with the teams with this model. And to change it at this last minute, to set a precedent like this, when the administration is going to change in the next three weeks, it's unheard of. And I think that it doesn't set the tone uh, well for the Green administration. And so I'm looking forward to working with Governor Green and I'm sure the Stadium Authority as well is looking forward to having Governor Green come to the table because at the end of the day, he's gonna be the one that decides how this project would move forward with the Stadium Authority because the full authority for this project does not rest with the governor, but in, a, uh, in concert with the governor and the DBED director. But we have to keep in mind that the policy of the stadium is under the stadium authority and the procurement powers are with the authority and authority alone. You know, you raise a good point that we are going to have a new administration in just a few weeks. Can you give us, you know, have there been any communication between, uh, you know, you and, and, and Claire, you know, same question uh, after Chase is done answering, you know, with the stadium authority, have you had any interactions with the Green administration administration uh, so far to kind of get an indication if this is the path that you expect the next administration to take uh, to continue on what this what Governor Ige has set out? You know, I have not personally had a conversation with Governor Green yet about the Aloha Stadium. Uh, I'm looking forward to having that conversation with him going forward. Um, but 
you know, what has been reported, uh, Governor Green during his multiple forums, uh, Governor Duck Green during multiple forums during the campaign, he did talk about the importance of driving the P3 model, uh, driving a NACID or a district model versus as just a build out for the stadium. And that's because um, we see the importance of not just looking at taxpayers to pay and to foot the burden uh, uh, of, of this project. Uh, we've seen it happen with rail. Uh, taxpayers are footing the burden of that project. And this is something that we don't want to see happen at the stadium. And I, I, I truly believe that uh, with the community at the table, with in the process, involved in the process, we can achieve uh, great things. And that's where we have been thus far. Yeah, and Claire, what are your thoughts on that? Are you expecting that the next administration will continue the course that this one is now setting out? I, I would hope not. Um, uh, I have not had a personal conversation with uh, Governor-elect Josh Green. I do listen to the things that he said regarding um, involving people that might have more expertise on the matter, uh, honoring what the community has said and participating and listening you know, to what they've said. So I'm hopeful that he will do that. I wanted to clarify a little bit of what Chase said about, um, so the stadium authority is the governing or the deciding body that decides what and how, we'll get, what will get built there, okay? Um, th that, that authority lets, uh, or that decision leaves, is with us, the stadium authority. The, the finances, the budget person, the, the DBED head, and the governor um, control the purse strings. Okay, the two of us must get together for the project to move forward. Okay, one cannot happen without the other. Uh, if the same authority does not agree with not having a P3, it is my understanding that the governor cannot do it without us. So that's, um, that's one thing that I think is important to clarify. I think much has been said about, you know, maybe not as many successes about P P3, developments um you know i don't know it's uh it, it is yes a leap of faith but i've got to feel that the group that is working with us the consulting group um they've addressed some of those issues they're looking at cutting edge types of p3 proposals they know what has failed in the past and it's not a it's not a blank check we're not saying okay here run with this and there'll be no um uh, deliverables um, along the way. In order to get more of the money and in order to get continually funded, there will be checks and balances and there will be things that have to be, uh, you know, objectives that have to be hit, milestones that have to be hit in order for them to get more money or for the project to continue. Well, let's talk a little bit more about that all-inclusive district as a whole and what that would include. You know, there has been much discussion and debate over what that looks like. Uh, you know, affordable housing advocates saying that the land should be used to address the housing shortage here on the island of Oahu and the focus should be on that. And there are others, <clears throat> excuse me, who, uh, you know, talk about more commercial and retail spaces, possibly hotel ventures that might attract other candidates into this P3 partnership. Uh, Claire, I want to talk with you and start with you on this idea of what you believe would be best for that community, uh, the integration that would be included into that arts district as we take a look at some of the rentings that have already been established here as well. Yeah, um, you know, 
affordable housing is this catchphrase, right? That everybody, you know, was a is a is a word that everybody during election time wanted to toss around. And it's great to have affordable housing, but I would hate to be a person that needs affordable housing and currently live in Waipahu and tell, be told, you know, if I want to have affordable housing, I have to move to Aloha Stadium. So affordable housing should be for the entire state. It should be everywhere. It's um, you don't need to have a dense uh, population of affordable housing. Um, someone told me, um, you know, if you watch the Crazy Rich Asians show at the, the very last scene where they had the 50-story building and the party on the top of the building, all of that was affordable housing. Do we want to have uh, a big? The does the community want to have a big surrounding area of just nothing but? A dense affordable housing? I don't think so. I don't think we want to have a tourist uh, attraction in the stadium to have view planes that look out on other buildings. I think it's ridiculous to have all of our affordable housing in one spot. I don't think it's fair to the residents who need affordable housing. Um, and just as we used to say, we would like our kapuna to age in place. We would like to pe people to live where they would like to live where their family is so i and so that means providing affordable housing throughout the state um what was the other part you asked me sorry uh oh the, what what things i'd like to see there um you know we'd like to see something besides the communities would like to see something there that the community can interact with and use throughout the year not when they just have a, rather than an event of the at the stadium being necessarily a burden to the surrounding communities. What is there that the community can use ongoing throughout the year so that they can see the benefit um, of having a development there besides just an empty parking lot? Yeah, and Chase, same question for you. What, you know, we're looking at those renderings, um, you know, a lot. I'm, I'm also reflecting just on the amount of money and time and work that your group and, you know, and, and all the parties have already put into this. Uh, if they go with just simply building the stadium, what do you worry about being lost in terms of just all the costs that is, you know, all the time and effort that's already been spent? Well, I think uh, what, what, what's been lost, what, what we could lose if we change our course of action now is, uh, like Claire mentioned earlier, we, we would probably have to uh, trash the uh, RFPs that were already, uh, that, that were on hold now. We'd have to begin the process uh, possibly again, um, and we'd have to start over, and we'd just delay more. You know, and Governor Green, um, in a recent Star Advertiser article, you know, it noted that Governor Green said he does not want to delay. You know, he doesn't want to delay. And uh, getting back to your question on the community, the community raised their concerns uh, during this whole process. And we talked about the traffic in the area. Uh, we've actually moved as a board, uh, standing up against the amount of houses that uh, uh, were, were to be built there. The neighborhood board said, we don't want 100,000 units. We don't want 50,000 units at this site. You know, we want a manageable, I think the community is, uh, is amenable and uh, adaptable into having affordable housing being part of the project of being part of the build out over the 20 year period but do it in a pono way uh, do it in a sustainable way um, and, and that's where we have to look at traffic integration that was one of the main concerns that were brought up in the workshops like how can we revamp or remodel um the the egress and uh, degress throughout the system you know uh, getting onto the freeway is there a better way that we can use the h201 and the h1 
um, and, and access to our highways. Uh, and, and that's something that we brought up in the conversation um, and the, the consultants took that into account, um, took the community's uh, words into account in their planning and made it part of their planning reports. And so this is why it's so important that we don't halt the project now where we're, we're this far into the project, we have to continue so we don't uh, waste the taxpayer money that we already spent here. And, and I think that's a very uh, important thing to remember is there have already been money spent um, for this project. Uh, and, and to go back to square one would be, uh, wouldn't be, in my opinion, the best way forward. You know, when speaking to the governor about this, he makes it clear that this is not a step backwards, uh, that this is not something that would have to start from the beginning. He says that this is the fastest way to get this done. His idea of this plan is that uh, this would expedite the process. Uh, Chase, I'm wondering that in the conversations that you're having with the groups that you're involved with, with the, uh, you know, all the uh, members that you spoke of that you've had these meetings with over the past few months, uh, is there anyone who in these conversations that may be agreeable to the governor's plan or uh, is the general consensus of the majority of the people that have been working on this, uh, are, are they all opposed to this or is there anyone who sees any sort of um, validation in what the governor is saying? You know, I, have, I haven't I have seen um, many voices uh, involved in agreeing or amenable or agreeable to the governor's suggestion of, uh, of going with a build out and doing the stadium only. Uh, I think the main concern for the community though, um, you know, as a representative of my, my neighborhood board, the main concern of the community is we're this far into the project, the community has been a part of the planning of the project. Why are we kept in the dark? Where is the transparency that the governor um, ran on when he first ran for governor today? And we're still waiting for a response from the governor. You know, the governor may, uh, be on uh, your your show and other uh, be noted in other media uh, announcements or other uh, other media pieces, uh, but he still has not responded to our community asking for uh, us to be brought to the table, um, so they can hear the community's concerns. Because what we don't want to see is a project that does not that takes a turn now and does not take the community's opinions into account. Uh, and this is something that we're going to have to live with in the community for the time being. Yeah, Claire, I mean, following up on that, what I'm hearing from Chase is really, a, you know, an erosion of trust, if you will, that the public feeling, you know, we've heard blindsided quite a bit in all of these discussions. Um, what is your thought on the level of trust? You know, that's something that both of you work to foster with the people that you represent in bringing their voices to the table. Um, how do you feel that this, you know, th this sort of left turn, if you will, has impacted the public trust uh, on this project? You know, the stadium, uh, the new stadium and the Sarani district is, has been one of one of the many projects that I've been involved in. When I started this maybe 20, 30, I can't even remember how many years ago, my community involvement, um, we realized that um, one of the main comments we would get from people was, um, why, why should we come to the table? Why should we have our voices heard? Um, they're just going to take it all down and put it on a shelf. You know, uh, our voices have never counted before. Why should we um, um, br bring our voices to the table? We have worked hard in our area to have our voices heard. 
then to have it cast aside at this last minute hour, um, does it leave you with a good feeling that here we go, we're down, going down the same road again, you know, our voices don't count, you know, it was for nothing. Why should we come to the table again? You know, no one, no one will want to do that. You know, the, you know, they learned a long time ago that you cannot just throw money or projects at people in their communities. You have to have buy-in from the community. If you don't have buy-in from the community, no one is going to be able to sustain it economically. Um, if you don't have buy-in, no one, the community won't take honor and respect into a project and they won't, they won't uh, value it. They won't, uh, they'll graffiti it. You know, you have to build that trust that this is something that we put together. This is ours. This is our communities. You know, so I think those things are very important. Um, I wanted to say, you know, when the stadium was first built 50 years ago, Aya was a rural area. If you look at all the they all head back to Honolulu. Built out area now. We need to have those other issues addressed. But more importantly, I want to mention, I want to take this time to just mention a little bit about there are cultural aspects that were not necessarily addressed. We'll end up having the same problem um, as we've had before. We have to be more culturally sensitive. We have to look at our water resources. We have to look, and, and we've said all of these things to the, um, the, the DAGs people, and they've looked at how they can reuse their sewer water, repurpose their things. So we're just not only economically self-sufficient, but we are self-sufficient within our environment and our culture. Well, our time has come to an end here this morning. We thank you both for being, uh, you know, here to share your thoughts and and your views on this project. And uh, we are all, I'm sure, as you eagerly anticipating to see what's next uh, in this process of this build out and what happens and where we go from here. But uh, Chase Shigemasa and Claire Tamamoto, thank you so much for taking time this morning to join us. Aloha. You're welcome. Aloha. Thank you. Well, great to hear from them and, you know, a very different take on what is happening there than what we've heard from the governor just two days ago. The governor really laying out his case on this program, saying that the $350 million is purely allocated, allocated for a stadium build and that that is the best way forward, something that he says he's going to continue pursuing until he leaves office in just a few weeks. On the other hand, you have those two community members who represent larger, you know, represent their different areas, uh, saying that this is not the plan that they laid out, that they spent, you know, months and even years put, giving their input to DAGs and others about what this should look like going forward. And they feel that the governor's office has not been, uh, you know, forthcoming with them, has not engaged with them in the way that they would like, and that they do not want just a stadium build, that they want this larger project that was laid out to them as a full entertainment district with housing and restaurants and retail and all of the other things that could then hopefully help to fund the stadium itself in the years to come. Yeah, there has no doubt been a, a lot of debate over what happens to this property. Uh, you know, we've heard again from housing advocates who have said that the land should be used for affordable housing, but we've heard from them uh, saying that they don't necessarily just want uh, affordable housing in that area, that this needs to be a facility and something that the entire community can rally around. No doubt a, a stadium is something that is needed in the absence of Aloha Stadium currently. And of course, with the University of Hawaii having to take 
to the uh, University of Hawaii campus to play their games. So they will definitely be a tenant involved. Uh, but there needs to be more than just a stadium and more than just affordable housing. There needs to be that mixture included in this district. And you heard from them uh, about some of their concerns overall of just the uh, lack of interest that they may get from the community, knowing that their concerns and the effort and the time that they placed so far into this project uh, may kind of just go down the drain, as they say, without getting any really feedback or plans from the governor on what his plans would be moving forward. Uh, all this under the backdrop that as we enter the final weeks of the EGA administration and all eyes will be on Governor-elect Josh Green to see what he plans to do uh, with this facility. Yeah, we're all guessing at this point. He said a number of things during in the course of the campaign about what he wants to see happen there. But, you know, we'll see the rubber meets the road when he appoints his cabinet, who he decides to run DBED, if he decides to leave that in DBED's hands or give it back to DAGS. Um, it'll all be very interesting to see. We do have an interview scheduled with him after his inauguration, so we look forward to asking him directly as to what his plans are for the stadium. Uh, in the meantime, of course, we keep you up to date on all developments there. On Friday, we are talking to a familiar face. Dr. Libby Char is going to be joining us to talk about heading into the holidays and any COVID concerns. You know, the uptake on that bivalent vaccine, Ryan, has not been what the state wants, and they are really trying to push more people to get that ahead of community gatherings. Yeah, and we'll also just be interested to hear from Dr. Char as she sunsets in her time as director uh, under the EGA administration as well. Of course, all departments will be getting uh, what we expect to be new directors. We are not sure if the governor like Green will hold over any of the current directors that are currently in place in the various departments. Uh, but no doubt, Do Dr. Josh Green will have a, a strong say in who he wants running his Department of Health. And if Libby Char is involved, in that conversation at all well we'll find out from her directly on friday we invite you to join us in that conversation right here at 10 30 uh, on the platforms of the honolulu star advertiser we'll see you then aloha aloha this episode of spotlight hawaii is brought to you by long's drugs